0: Is it wise to believe something that contradicts what God has already revealed? Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry, and with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. This week we've been looking at a conference message that was given by Mormon Apostle Dale G. Renlin. He gave this message on October 1, 2022 in a morning session of General Conference And it was titled, A Framework for Personal Revelation. Now, what's interesting is that a lot of things that Mr. Renlund says, we can agree with. Why can we agree with what he's saying? Basically because, as I've mentioned earlier in this week, we are starting from two foundational premises. He believes that revelation starts really with Joseph Smith. We would argue that revelation begins with what the Bible has to say. It is our revelation to us as Christian believers. When you start from these two different points, you can understand why we will end up in two different directions. Even though... We can agree with some of the arguments that Mr. Renlund is presenting. It's only because we are defining words differently and we have a different foundation from which to start.
1: Bill, if I use the word football in the United States, I think most people know what I'm talking about. But if you go over to England and you say football, it has a completely different meaning. And I think that's the way it is when we're talking. what we're talking about this past week that the Latter day Saint and his presuppositions versus what we as Christians believe in the reasons why we do believe the Bible is the Word of God, so we can use the same ideas and have completely different ways of going around it. Well, he's going to go
0: into what he calls the third element of this framework for
1: personal revelation. What does he say there, Eric? A third element of the framework is that personal revelation will be in harmony with the commandments of God and the covenants we have made with him. Consider a prayer that goes something like this. Heavenly Father, church services are boring. May I worship thee on the Sabbath in the mountains or on the beach. May I be excused from going to church and partaking of the sacrament, but still have the promised blessings of keeping the Sabbath day holy. In response to such a prayer, We can anticipate God's response, my child, I have already revealed my will regarding the Sabbath day. Bill, I'm gonna say, that makes the point that we as Christians say, why do I need the Book of Mormon when I already have revealed to me the Bible that God has provided for me, I don't need to go and ask if this other scripture that contradicts uh, what Christianity teaches is true.
0: Well, that's a great point because we are told in the New Testament that what we have in the Bible is enough for our salvation. There's nothing that we need to have that adds to it. We can have that complete salvation, eternal life, based on the guidelines that are given to us in the New Testament. Latter-day Saints would disagree with that, which shows that that is not their foundation. I think it proves very conclusively what Renlin is trying to get across. They start with Joseph Smith, and he even says as much, when he says the Lord revealed that no one shall be appointed to receive commandments and revelations in this church excepting my servant Joseph Smith until I shall appoint another in his stead. That's the starting point for Latter-day Saints. But Renlund goes on after that paragraph that you just read And he says, when we ask for revelation about something for which God has already given clear direction, we open ourselves up to misinterpreting our feelings and hearing what we want to hear. And to that, I would say amen. And I would agree. But you see, we're agreeing to his words, and we're agreeing to them in our understanding our presuppositions, if you will, because we look to the Bible as being our foundation. Renlin could say something like that, and he's really not agreeing with us at all. You see, this is why we would be talking past each other. We're using words, but we're not really communicating. We need to explain what we mean by the words we're using when we're talking with our LDS friends.
1: Bill, he goes on and says the prophet Joseph Smith warned, quote, Nothing is greater injury to the children of men than to be under the influence of a false spirit when they think they have the Spirit of God. And to that, I would say preach it.
0: I would say I agree with you on that. I would agree with Rendlin on that. See, we believe that the Latter-day Saints, as sincere as they are, and we're not taking away the sincerity that they have, but we do not believe it's the Holy Spirit that has guided them in the direction that they are going. Now, they can claim it is, but how would we know it is? If they are going in a direction that conflicts with what God has already revealed, then we need to ask ourselves, is the Holy Spirit telling us the truth, or are the scriptures telling us the truth? If you start with the premise that the Bible is true, then whatever you're calling the Holy Spirit can't be the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit, according to the Bible, can only lead you into truth. He would not lead you into error. This is why when I have Latter day Saints tell me, well, the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost told me this, this, and this, I'll ask them, how do you know it's really the Holy Spirit? And usually the answer is pretty much the same. They'll say something like, I just know. Well, Eric, you would agree that that's probably not going to be a very satisfying answer for us, because I have to go along with your feelings, and you can't really give me a good explanation why you came to that conclusion, other than whatever your conclusion is, is something that you want to believe. That's not good enough for me. I have to have something that's more foundational, and that foundation certainly isn't going to work. And if you're going to say, well, it's because Joseph Smith said so, remember, I don't believe Joseph Smith is a true prophet of God. I believe, personally, and I've said this many times publicly, I believe Joseph Smith was a con man. I'm not going to take instructions from a con man that tells me he's the only one that God has appointed to give revelations. That would be foolish. Demonstrate to me that he meets the biblical qualifications of a true prophet of God, and as we've mentioned earlier in this week, he certainly did not meet the qualifications of Deuteronomy chapter 13, and he did not meet the qualifications of Deuteronomy 18. He introduces a false god, and he gives predictions that don't come to pass. So right there, Joseph Smith would be disqualified.
1: It's called inference to the best explanation. You take the evidence that's out there, you lay it on the table, and you determine what is true. And what you're saying, Bill, is you have taken a look at the Book of Mormon. You have taken a look at Joseph Smith, and you have found them to be lacking. And so therefore, you make a reasonable assumption, not an assumption, a judgment, that Joseph Smith is a false prophet, that the Book of Mormon is not true scripture, and therefore we're not going to be able to fall into the game that Renlin is trying to do here, that we're supposed to somehow accept the LDS leadership and their revelations, and then our personal revelation needs to correspond with that. Well, when Renlin
0: says that personal revelation has to be in harmony with God's commandments, I don't think we would have a disagreement with that. But again, the commandments that they are talking about, the doctrine that they are talking about, the scripture that they are talking about is different than what we would believe as New Testament Christians. It would seem obvious that we're probably going to come to conclusions that are diametrically opposed to each other. He goes on to say that if God has answered a question and the circumstances have not changed, why would we expect the answer to be different? And I, I think he raises a good point. The problem I have with Renlin raising this point is that makes me question, well, what about Joseph Smith and polygamy? What circumstances changed when it comes to marriage? Nothing changed. Just all of a sudden, Joseph Smith claims he gets a revelation, and because the foundation is Joseph Smith, and you've already determined he's a true prophet, so you're going to believe what he tells you, he says it's okay for him to take on more than one wife.
1: And he certainly can point to Abraham and others in the Old Testament that did practice polygamy, but Joseph Smith went, went much further. He was marrying women who were married to living husbands. He was marrying sisters uh, and mothers and sisters and all of that that the Old Testament very clearly said not to do. So you can make a case, well, they did it in the Old Testament. After about 1,800 years after the New Testament took place, all of a sudden, Christians never practiced polygamy during that time. Now they are supposed to. That's very confusing.
0: Well, I think it goes back to the point that we've been trying to make all week, When you have a different foundation, you can come up with an entirely different conclusion. And I think Renlin is really doing us a service here, Eric, because he's demonstrating very clearly that their foundation is not the same as ours. It is not Christianity, and certainly it cannot be a restored Christianity because the early Christians looked to the Bible to be their rule of faith— Rendlin is making it clear, we're not doing that as Latter-day Saints. We're going to Joseph Smith. He's the prophet. He gives us direction. Revelation starts with him, and we believe what Joseph Smith says, even if it conflicts with what God has revealed in the New Testament. Rendlin goes on to say something very interesting towards the end of his talk. He says, if we have received personal revelation for our situation and the circumstances have not changed, God has already answered our question. For example, he says, we sometimes ask repeatedly for reassurance that we have been forgiven— if we have repented, been filled with joy and peace of conscience, and received a remission of our sins, we do not need to ask again, but can trust the answer God has already given.
1: Bill, and I would say to that, he's talking to people who are not feeling forgiven because they feel they haven't fully repented, because what is repentance? We've talked about this many times in DNC 5843, that you're supposed to abandon the sin and not do it anymore. That's why they don't have the joy and the peace of conscience. So he's talking to a people that are kind of beaten down on this topic.
0: Well, yeah, and when Rendlin says, if we have repented, now you have to remember, folks, you've got to take, as Eric has explained, the definition of repentance according to how it's understood in the LDS Church. And when you cite DNC 5843... That's a very good definition that many Latter-day Saints have often used, and of course other leaders have elaborated on that, such as Harold B. Lee, where once you've repented of a sin, you never sin that sin again. And this is why I think there's a lack of assurance among many Latter-day Saints. You might say their circumstances have changed. They may have felt confident at one time when they prayed to God and said that they had repented of all their sins and at that point maybe felt confident. But then what happens? They get out of bed and the day begins and that all changes. And if you're going to live by the definition given by your church leaders in the LDS church, you can understand why that assurance is lost. Because the circumstances have changed. You're starting to go through life. And during the course of the day, we realize that we do oftentimes come short of that perfection that even the God of Mormonism expects of their people, and this is why they don't have that assurance. The difference, of course, for us would be the foundation of our forgiveness is not in what we have done, it's in what Jesus has done for us. Again, a different foundation, a different conclusion— This is why when we talk to our Latter-day Saint friends, it can be a bit confusing. This is why it behooves us if we are going to have a conversation where we are really communicating, we need to ask for definitions and we need to ask our friends, what is it that you believe on that particular subject? That will clarify it for us.